0: fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try and for
1: the touchdown. What a great second. Oh, here comes the Oh, here, here, here comes the So. Like so no Wolf back, what's going on? I am thrilled to be here early in the morning for a, a nice coffee and fantasy chat welcoming on Sam Factor, the creator of an amazing fantasy AI app called Walter Picks. We'll help you with all of your sit starts, everything. So much good stuff in that app. We'll get into it a little bit later and tell you how it can help you dominate fantasy football. He's been also crushing the short form video game over on TikTok, IG Reels, all that good stuff. If you like to get fast, consumable content, it's incredible. So Sam, thank you so much for joining me today, man. How are you doing? Nick, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for,
0: thanks for having me on the show. We got... A lot of football tonight, so I'm feeling super excited about that. We're going to do our best not to overreact to any preseason football, but I'm doing great, man. Thanks
1: for having me on. Oh, it's the best. I know it's it's certainly not like the Christmas day that is when football really comes back, yeah. but it's not too far off, especially after we didn't have it at all last year. like yeah. It's just so good. We're going to have some actual stuff to dive into this year. And that's kind of the point of the show is we're going to go position by position, breaking down the biggest storylines, the players, the battles that you need to watch, the coaching, all that good stuff we're going to talk about here. What are those things you need to watch over these next three weeks to really be ready for your drafts and and get the most accurate data points you can? Uh, You ready to just dive right in with me, Sam? Yeah, man, let's get into it. Awesome. Well, we'll start at the top with quarterbacks, and I don't think there's anything more important or that could cause more seismic shifts than the Deshaun Watson say over there in Houston. The latest is he's been there. He's practiced as like a fourth stringer and a safety. Uh, Then he stopped practicing for a bit. Some people say there's hope in the organization he'll play. More connected beat writers like John McClain say he's played his last snap for sure. Eagles writers saying there's a 90% chance he's going there. It's all over the place. What are your thoughts on how this plays out? And what do you kind of hope happens here?
0: Yeah, I'm glad glad we are starting here because I feel like (laughs) this honestly hasn't got as much attention as I would have expected, he's right? a top five quarterback in the NFL in his prime. Uh, and d- did I correctly read he, he was playing snaps at defense? In yes, in safety <laughs> absolutely, absolutely insane. Uh, that, that 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 happened. I throughout this whole offseason, I've held the belief that he wouldn't play this season, but as we get closer and closer to week one, and there is no uh suspension. Like I think it's just getting more and more likely that he plays, uh, right. and, and I think I think like we saw this with Aaron Rodgers a little bit too. Obviously, two very different situations, but a lot of reports were coming out about Aaron Rodgers never playing a snap for the Packers again um, just a few months ago. So I, right. I think it's as the days go on, and there's no suspension handed out by the league, which I I think is kind of wild that there's not going to be a suspension given out it seems like it might not come till the end of the season right Um, I think he has a very real chance to play for the Texans this season just because he's so good it feels like he's just getting this special treatment from the league and it wouldn't be shocking to me at all if we see him play some snaps for the Texans this season
1: yeah I'm in full agreement there as well. I still can't believe we haven't heard anything like you said. And obviously, you know, wherever he goes is going to be a monster impact, a seismic shift to the rankings. This guy led the NFL in passing last year. And so, you know, the rumblings are that the Eagles were interested, the Broncos had a bombshell offer, but they took it Mm -hmm. off the table with the legal saga. Uh, And then they're saying the Panthers are quietly monitoring it. So it's kind of all over the place. I mean, if, if I had my wish list it would mostly be he goes to the the Broncos. I would love to see Jerry Judy, Mm Cortland Sutton with a real quarterback, obviously Javante in that backfield, which we're going to dive into a little bit later, would be thrilling to see this offense ignite. I think they've got everything in place besides the quarterback Denver does. Uh, So I'd love to see that. I really don't want him to go to the Eagles just because I've drafted so much of Jalen hurts and that would just kind of destroy his value. Uh, But either way, you know who I'm drafting a lot of in, in, in best ball these days. One is De- Deshaun Watson in like the last couple of rounds. I absolutely yeah. love the fact that you can still get him and potentially have, whether he gets suspended half the year, none of the year, maybe you take the loss and he gets suspended, but at that cost, it, it is what it is. Right. I, but Brandon cooks, like, you know, he's yeah. going to be an alpha either way. And if he gets Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller, and is that clear of an alpha, I mean, his value could skyrocket. I think he's going to be pretty good at his price, regardless of who's chucking him the rock. Uh, do you like Cooks or am I psycho for that? No, I
0: absolutely I absolutely agree with you on this one. I, he's actually one of my most draft. I've done about 200 best ball drafts on Underdog <laughs> so far. It's getting out of hand, honestly. Love and on, and I, I started way too early. I have a lot of Cam Akers, a lot of Michael Thomas. So my teams are, my teams are already struggling a little bit. But uh, in the drafts I'm doing now, no, I absolutely love Brandon Cooks. I honestly think he's the perfect hedge because even if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, you're still getting the number one receiver right. on the team that's going to get absolutely destroyed in almost every game they play this season. Exactly. So I, I do think, like, Brandon Cooks is is a smash draft pick in, like, the seventh, eighth, ninth round where you're able to get him right now. And the Texans receivers, like, after Brandon Cooks, there really isn't yeah. anything super exciting. Nico Collins, Anthony Miller is kind of who I expect. Kiki QT. I think those three guys are probably going to rotate behind Brandon Cooks who's gonna have to play every single snap so I I do like Brandon Cooks a ton I haven't been drafting Deshaun Watson really at all because I do think there's still a good chance that he doesn't play for at least half the season which I just don't want on my best ball teams even at that later late of a pick but I definitely think he's one of those guys that could just completely smash for anyone that got him super late if he ends up playing enough
1: Exactly. At that that stage, I don't see much upside. And I I do such late QB builds too. Usually one of the rookies that we're about to discuss right now. uh, and, And Ryan Fitzpatrick, pair him with Deshaun Watson and see what happens is kind of my approach so far. Why don't we talk about these rookie QBs, though? Uh, All the reports so far in camp are that these guys are lighting it up. We've seen the videos of Trey Lance. It's effortless the way the ball just zips out of his hand uh, and and flies down the field. We've seen the reports that Justin Fields is running all over the place. They're impressed with his speed. I mean, he's got the fastest 40-time outside of Michael Vick in NFL history for a quarterback. So both of these guys bring that cheat code Konami upside both of them are flashing in camp. They're still rumored to be behind the starters and that's apparently the team's plans so far, but what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think either of them start by week one or when do you see this takeover potentially? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we should
0: go one, one at a time here. Cause I do think they're, they're slightly different situations, but I want to start with Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a, is a guy that just was generally slept on throughout the whole NFL draft process. Yeah. I'm super excited to see him play and, you're right, he is 99th percentile speed. He is Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson-type speed. Yeah. I don't think Lamar ran the 40, but he probably would have been something similar. And like he is going to ball out once he gets a chance. I definitely think there's more upside in the offense once he starts. That being said, I think Trey Lance is the guy that I prefer in fantasy football because when yeah. he starts, he, he has similar type of speed, but the offense is going to be built around – Trey Lance. Like I just have less confidence in the Bears to build the offense around Justin Fields and just the supporting cast for Trey Lance. He is three of like the top 10 yards after the catch players in the NFL, yeah. Hugo Samuel, Ayuk, and uh George Kittle. I think Trey Lance is the guy. If there's any guy that's going to be the Lamar Jackson from two years ago or the Josh Allen from last season, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. And the other part, too, for me is obviously the coaches even if they thought they were going to start week one, they shouldn't tell anyone that they think they're going to start week one. Right. So it's hard for me to read too much into the Andy Dalton's are, are starting quarterback for sure. Uh, and the Jimmy Garoppolo's are starting quarterback for sure. Coach speak, because that's what they should say either way. Uh, so I don't, I don't buy too much into that. I think we're going to see Trey Lance start in the first month of the season. Justin Fields though, I'm a little less confident about.
1: Yeah, after that Mac Jones smokescreen, how could we trust a word that comes out of Kyle Shanahan's mouth? Uh, It's interesting, too, as you said, designing the offense around Lance. I had a great film guru. His name's Ted Wynn over at The Athletic, one of my favorites. Uh, He came on the pod yesterday. It's going to drop, I think, next week. And he talked about all the different options and, you know, zone reads and all that that they're crafting. He saw in training camp. He saw in the film uh, and the ways they're going to use him. And it just is mind blowing the way like Kyle Shanahan could take that offense to the next step with Trey Lance. Um, And that's why I like both of them. I think if you know one of those two is going to be that league changer, because they both have that leg upside, maybe it's both of them. Who knows? Um, I, I think the offense around Lance is a little bit more intriguing, especially the play caller, like you said. So I'm with you. I have him a spot above Justin Fields, but I don't want to leave a draft without these two. Um, Because if and when they take over, it's going to be beautiful. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you don't have to spend that much in fantasy on either of them. You're getting them in the ninth round or later in almost every draft.
1: Exactly. And you have like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I said earlier, to pair with them until they take over. He'll be slinging it to some great weapons over there. It was a QB1 for all his starts in Miami. And has a better situation, Like that's a great way to lead into these rookies and build over to them. And as we keep moving, folks, if you don't mind hitting that thumbs up button, Facebook, YouTube, you know Periscope, wherever you're watching, shares and retweets. It always helps us continue to grow. It would be so appreciated whether you're live here with us or catching the replay. Uh, it'd be awesome. Another quarterback battle, which is a little less intriguing because of the Michael Thomas injury, but still starting quarterbacks are starting quarterbacks. And that's Taysom Hill. And Jameis Winston. The latest I'm reading, and my favorite beat writer for the Saints is Nick Underhill. He has a great site, neworleansfootball.com. Amazing stuff. We're going to be talking to him in a couple weeks about this battle. He's been writing so far, though, that Jameis is definitely the one in front. I know Taysom took the snaps uh, to lead off into camp, but so far, everything's saying Jameis is locked in. He's on fire. Uh, and Taysom hasn't necessarily been bad. It's just that Jameis has been outplaying him so far, according to Underhill, at least. But it still is a tight battle. There's still alternating series. Nobody's gained any clear ground. Who do you kind of hope wins, and who do you think wins if it's the same, if not the same person? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely rooting for Taysom Hill. I think
0: he's just a more exciting fantasy football asset because of his his rushing ability. And I and with the Michael Thomas injury, like it's it just makes more sense to me to have Taysom Hill be involved in the offense. But honestly, I won't be surprised at all. If we see a mix of both guys in a lot of games, I think if James Winston wins the starting quarterback job, we're almost definitely going to see Taysom Hill still come in frequently like 10 plus times a game. If Taysom Hill wins the starting job though, really? I think there's a chance that James Winston just doesn't see the field. So I, I like Taysom Hill more in fantasy right now um, for those reasons, just the rushing upside to we know is just, the, the nuts in, in fantasy football. Um, but James Winston's going to like, he there's no way he doesn't struggle with Marquez Callaway as his <laughs> top receiver. Like everything's just going to have to go through Alvin Kamara, and they're just gonna have to lean on their like top five offensive line. I think that's the like one sole hope for the entire saints team.
1: Yeah. I'm with you in terms of if we're looking for a quarterback in this offense, we definitely want it to be Taysom Hill. a top three quarterback over that little span when he was starting because of the rushing, the leg points he gets. I'm with you there. If I'm looking at the rest of the offense, especially Alvin Kamara, I might want Jameis. Now we can't look at that three game sample and be like, it was very clear the effect it had on Kamara and his target Mm -hmm. share just plummeted. I don't know that it's fair. I think a lot of people are like, Overreact and saying now is he's never going to get a target again because Jason yeah. might start. I, I think that, that's a little drawn out. One of the games they were facing the Broncos with a receiver starting at quarterback. Like they had no no reason I to really do anything. Now we just deleted okay. that whole game from our database. So right, you yeah. know, we should t- totally just remove that one. That one wasn't fair to judge any offense by. They didn't have to do anything besides pound Latavius Murray that day. Yeah. Uh, but still, for for Kamara's value, I might prefer to see Jameis, a traditional pocket passer, behind there for the receivers as well. Uh, but in terms of a quarterback. I think Taysom would make much more sense and probably approach yeah. top fifteen status if yeah. he is the locked in starter behind yeah. that line with that rushing ability. Yeah, one thing Underhill. Thing, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? The only thing I'd
0: add there, and I I think like the when Taysom Hill started last year, Alvin Kamara's receiving role definitely just plummeted, which is concerning. But the other side of that too is when Michael Thomas wasn't playing, oh, Alvin yeah. Kamara was a legit wide receiver one in fantasy football, even if you just deleted his rushing stats. Like he was averaging 80 80 receiving yards a game. He was the number one receiver on the team, which is exactly what I expect Like without Michael Thomas this season, almost regardless of the quarterback. They almost have to force at least five
1: targets his way every game with their current receivers. I I, You know what? I forget the exact how high it was. But I remember there was some stats that he was like the wide receiver four on just his receiving production, then like the running back 12 on his running backs. And, of course, you combine those and he was the number one player in fantasy over that span. But, yeah, it was insane. So that could potentially happen and make uh, Kamara that much of a stud, regardless of who it is, throwing him the rock. I like that point a lot. Um, The one other thing Underhill did mention in a lot of his articles is the, the edge he gives to Jameis is they might need, with Th- Thomas's injury, Taysom to play outside and play as a weapon because they're just so depleted right now and not a ton of people are stepping up, as we're going to talk about a little bit. So it'll be intriguing to continue to monitor this one, see if Jameis has, has gotten rid of those horrible habits with the interceptions. Maybe yeah. the LASIK did fully uh, help him out. Yeah. Another quarterback battle which I don't know how intrigued I am for either of these guys in fantasy necessarily, uh, but certainly will have a seismic shift on how this offense functions and how its weapons are. That's Mac Jones versus Cam Newton. I see your Pats jersey. I'm also a Boston guy, so I really can't wait to break this one down with you. You know, the reports so far, neither have been overly impressive. I think I saw someone from Jeff How like, Newton's completed 55% of his throws and Mac's only been around 50, but then I've seen other ones that Mac Jones is pulling ahead and, and looking better, especially in the red zone drills. So it's, it's a little bit all over the place. I think this one's truly going to come down to the wire. Uh, The one thing that doesn't make sense to me though, is the offense are going to be completely different. So how are they doing that? How that's working camp? I don't know, but what is your kind of look at the situation as a Pats fan? What do you hope happens? Uh, What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I've been a very pessimistic Patriots fan for at
0: least at least three years now, and I am still very pessimistic about the season. I don't think the Patriots have the quarterback on the team that can get them to even nine wins this season. It's been very discouraging that Mac Jones has been comparable to Cam Newton. That's like exactly what I was not hoping for. I, I I've lost pretty much all hope in Cam Newton as a passer. I think he is still a good runner. Like he's basically been like a running back in the NFL for the past like three seasons. I think he could actually be like a number one running back on some teams in the NFL, but the, (laughs) but like, I think if Mac Jones does win the starting job, which is absolutely possible as soon as week one, we still, similar to the Taysom Hill thing, we could definitely still see Cam Newton come in at inside the five or inside the red zone, like because of his rushing ability. So from a fantasy football perspective, I want nothing to do with Mac and Cheese, Mac Jones, or Cam mm-hmm. Newton. Um, but I think from like a fan's perspective, I'm just really, really hoping Mac Jones can pull away and be something of a future for the Patriots.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I probably won't be drafting either of them regardless of what happens. As a fan, I would love to see what the future holds. And for their other weapons, too. James White, uh, who goes almost undrafted at this point, could be an absolute steal for zero RB enthusiasts and PPR leagues. Uh, Jacoby Myers working that slot area. They're saying he's the most consistent receiver right now in camp. I know your favorite jersey of all time, Nikhil Harry, apparently (laughs) showing out uh, in camp right now. So any of those guys would significantly get a boost from an arm like Mac Jones over Cam Newton after we saw that horror show last year. And and the other side of it is uh, Ryan Hannibal of WEI was texting me the other day saying, you know, Cam didn't have a pass last year and he's looking a, a bit rejuvenated because of that. Yeah. He did have those first three weeks where he was a sneaky stud, like yeah. then he got COVID and everything just kind of collapsed. Yeah. But there was some fantasy juice there. So I don't want to completely rule them out, but I don't see myself really approaching this offense. And I just hope it's Mac. I really want to see what the kid has. Yeah, no, I agree. I my
0: my sole hope for the Patriots this season is the offensive line. I think it's the clear strength. Yeah of the team that they should, if they stay healthy, be a top five offensive line. I think they're going to run some of the most two tight end sets in the league, as long as oh, yeah. Henry can get healthy. So that, that is encouraging, but I I don't think the quarterbacks are going to be what, what lead the Patriots to success
1: this season. And you know, that just made me think too. It also is a big shift for, for Damian Harris, because yeah. Cam Newton, as you said, they still might use him either way at the goal line. Right. But let's say Mac Jones takes over and they just commit to him full time. That's going to open up. Cam Newton was top 10 in goal line attempts last year yeah. among all rushers, including running backs. That would open up a ton of work potentially for Damian Harris. So this will be a seismic shift. It's definitely crucial to watch. I cannot wait till later to be able to see how our pats are looking, especially Mac Jones. Oh, yeah. I'm thrilled. The more we're talking right here, I'm just getting fired up because football is back. Yeah, I can't um, wait to watch him tonight. Absolutely. Uh, well, Sam Darnold revived. So we have two more quarterback stories before we get into usually the meat of it, of training camp. Mm-hmm. Battles. That's the running backs. But let's talk about Sam Darnold and his potential revival. I can't wait to see how he looks with Carolina. The reports are he's looking solid in camp. He's connecting with all his receivers, especially Terrace Marshall and the newly acquired Dan Arnold, I guess a mm-hmm. really big sleeper at tight end there. Uh, but they're saying the ball is coming out well. He's looking good in the pocket. Which is encouraging. Now, I want to see it. I talked mm-hmm. about Ted Wynn. He came on and broke down Darnold's some positives he saw, but a whole lot more negatives that can't just be blamed on his surroundings. I think a lot of people are thinking, magically remove him from Gase from an awful situation, probably the worst situation you could be in, yep. and that he's going to magically revive his, you know, the, the upside that made him number three pick. And Ted didn't think. He's put it at a 30% chance he revives himself, 70% chance that he doesn't. What are your kind of thoughts on Darnold? Do you think he has anything? And and what do you kind of hope to see from him this preseason?
0: Yeah, I think those I think those percentages I could get on on board with. I definitely think there's a a pretty solid chance he can turn it around or at least be a lot better than he was. He almost automatically will be better than he was. I don't think it's going to be magic. I think the Adam Gase effect is very, very real. We've seen it across so many, so many different players. It's a well Documented thing that if you are in close proximity to Adam Gase, you almost automatically perform worse on a football field. Um, so that alone will definitely help. Him. I also think it's going to help the Jets massively this season. I think they're super underrated, almost yep. just because of that. But the the one sole hope for Sam Darnold is he's been okay when he has good protection. The only good thing that he did last season, he was top six in the NFL incompletion percentage when he had a clean pocket Uh, and he's going to a team that was ranked sixth last season in Mm. passing. management they didn't have amazing run blocking last year but they are returning most of their offensive line and that was their big strength last year so I think he actually landed in a perfect spot that gives him at least a chance to revive himself that being said he was outside the top 30 in almost every other metric that matters for a quarterback so There's a lot going against him as well. But no, I definitely think with the pairing of Robbie Anderson too, I'm really excited to see that duo back together. I think there is a a good chance that he turns things around. I'm excited to see him get that chance too.
1: Absolutely. And um, the last one, and I'm with you too in terms of my excitement, just because of the weapons, mm-hmm. as you said, it's just everything there could be so good. And he's a great last-round stab at quarterback. Uh, I love Joe Brady. I love that play caller. Yeah. Um, I know last year wasn't quite the explosive attack a lot of us were envisioning when he came from LSU into the NFL. But I really think this year, uh, with him having his second year of experience, if Darnold, he has the arm, if it can truly all meld together, it could be a fantasy factory. Plus, he gets the Jets – in week one, talk about a, a great yeah. way to kick off the season and start that revenge game narrative. Yeah. Maybe that will just spark a, a great run for this kid. I, I hope so. I think it's pretty easy to root for him um, at this point. So, so we'll see how that goes. Um, in the last quarterback story, I didn't think I was going to have this one on here, but based on the training camp reports, Burrow's struggling. He hasn't been really throwing beyond 10 yards, they said. The quote was, it's just not good right now. Burrow talked a lot about how it's really a lot of it's mental at this and He's worried about taking hits and he just, he hasn't felt himself. Now, obviously we don't want to overreact and drop all these insane weapons we've got here with the Bengals and and Burrow himself has all these weapons to chuck to after leading on pace for, for the most attempts in the league last year. So we don't want to overreact quite yet, but I also Really want to watch and see if they get it together. What do you think is going to happen here? What are you kind of looking for with this Bengals offense? Yeah, I I don't want to overreact. I'm also like
0: up to my neck in Bengals best ball stacks, so I'm yes. I'm feeling a little nervous because this is probably the most negative reports we've seen out of any training camp. Mm-hmm. But it is just practice, and and there he's on a team. He was averaging over forty passing attempts per game in these first just 10, 10 games in the NFL. I expect that to be the, the floor for him this season with three of the better receivers in the NFL and a healthy Joe Mixon. I The only concern for me with the Bengals really isn't the, the concerning training camp reports about Joe Burrow. Like it's going to take some time. I'm not too worried about it. The offensive line, though, is going to continue to just be by far the biggest concern for the Bengals. They did very little to address it this offseason. I thought they should have gone offensive tackle instead of I agree. Chase, I do think Jamar Chase is still going to ball out in the NFL. So I'm I'm honestly from a fantasy football perspective, I'm trying not to overreact to this news. I still think all assets in that Bengals offense with the passing volume that I'm expecting are going to be really strong.
1: Yeah, I'm with you too. I'm not overreacting. I mean, it was just a few years ago, people were concerned Mahomes was throwing interceptions yeah. in camp. Like I'm I'm not worried. I didn't react to that. I, I'm not gonna react yet unless I'm watching the preseason and at no point. Do they seem to ever get in sync? Well, then maybe I will, but that's why it's on the watch list here. Uh, So I'm with you there, hoping, you know, for the best there for this offense because there are so many explosive pieces uh, there. Well, let's move on to running backs, which is where a lot of these battles really, really come into fruition that we really need to monitor. And to me, there's none more important than the 49ers, given how historically productive Shanahan's zone-blocking scheme is. Now, we haven't seen, like, a true bell cow in this offense in quite some time, so I think a lot of people forget, like, back to Steve Slayton and, you know, Arian Foster. We had, uh, you know, Alfred Morris just a couple of years ago in Washington. There's spent some monstrous performances and just historically, even dating back to his dad's running backs. Uh, they, when they get the guy, it's amazing. And we've seen glimpses of Mostert and these guys dominating in here, but we haven't had one person truly take over. So Raheem Mostert versus Trey Sermon to me, and maybe these other guys, you never know what they're going to do. Wayne Gallman, Elijah Mitchell as well. But but if one of them can jump up to the top, then I'm going to love it. What are you kind of hearing, thinking, seeing with this backfield?
0: Yeah, so, so I, I do think at least to start the season, it's going to be a rotation that does include even Wayne Gallman and potentially Elijah Mitchell. I think Raheem Mostert is going to be the guy that starts games and I think as the game goes on, Trey Sermon is going to like, be the lead back later in games or vice versa. I could see it going either way. I think Trey Sermon definitely has the most upside to become that lead bell cow guy. Like, There's very little chance that Raheem Mostert takes on this huge workload. We've already seen them try that. It didn't go very well. There's also very little chance Wayne Gallman or Elijah Mitchell outproduce Trey Sermon or Raheem Mostert. So I think the most upside is Trey Sermon. But I'm trying to temper expectations a little because I don't think it's going to be very easy to predict week to week which of these guys is going to have the big fantasy day, which is right. not what you're looking for in your season long leagues. That being said, like in best ball and in like later rounds of the season long leagues, I'd be willing to take a stab at Trey Sermon. I don't really want anything to do with any of the other guys. Those guys, like to me, just don't have the upside to to be worth drafting.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, and especially while you mentioned the best ball too, their schedule, we should have maybe said this during Trey Lance, down the stretch run, I think in the fantasy playoffs weeks 15, 16, 17, I don't know the exact order, but I know they face Atlanta, I know they face uh, the Texans, and I know they face the Titans, and I know the Bengals are within those four weeks as well. So four of the worst defenses, uh, if and when somebody does take over, whether it's Sermon and also Trey Lance, that could be just a complete league-winning type of stack there. So I'm with you. I hope it's Trey Sermon. I do think he has the most upside. They traded up to get him. They called him and said, "Like you were our guy. We couldn't sit there and sweat anymore. We had to get you." Uh, that being said, Mostert did log the two fastest runs of the NFL season yeah. last year, and they were only in the first two weeks. So he can glide. He can get through the defense. I, I I could see this being a committee that actually works, where Sermon's getting the bulk of the work. Sermon, you know, Mostert works in after the defense has been pulverized a little bit. And and zips through for a long touchdown, too. So I like attacking both of these guys at cost right now, even if it is a little bit of a headache to, to start the season. And we'll see how the, the training camp plays out and see if anybody can gain any separation. Um, the other backfield, uh, there's a few backfields with some question marks, including the Cardinals. And earlier in the offseason, all the reports were Chase Edmonds is their bell cow. Uh, it's a competition in name only. And since camp started, that really hasn't played out according to the latest reports. They're saying it's a, a 1-1A situation. They're alternating first team reps, and there's not a whole ton of consistency right now in terms of establishing a guy. So it sounds to me like it's shaping up to be a committee. Do you think it plays out that way? And do you have any interest in this backfield either way?
0: Yeah, I this backfield was was so frustrating last season. And and I I just I think the most likely scenario is we see something like last season where yeah. James Connor is out-touching Chase Edmonds and out-snapping Chase Edmonds at just a way, way more inefficient, like, Kenyon Drake was, like, twice as inefficient as Chase Edmonds last year, but he just consistently was seeing 60% of the carries and, like, was on the field on first and second down almost all the time. Meanwhile, Chase Edmonds was number three in the NFL, or, sorry, number seven in the NFL in yards per touch. Fantastic, efficient receiver. I think that he is the guy that has the upside. That being said, James Connor was behind a terrible Steelers offensive line last year. So there is still potentially some juice left in him. Um, so like I I'm trying, I, I think I'm skewing towards pessimism on like the fantasy football side of things. But if there's a guy I'm taking, it's definitely chase Edmonds just because of the receiving upside. Um, and I, I just, I don't have faith in the coaching staff
1: to hand over the keys to chase Edmonds. I know it's unfortunate. I'd love to see it. Sadly, I, I'm with you. I do think it's going to be kind of one of those mind numbing committees. Um, if he does, James Conner, get that Kenyon Drake role. I mean, that led to the, the top five in goal line carries last that year. Uh, it could be, he is, he's got a nose for the stripe. Edmonds has only seen one career goal line carry. Yeah. So he's the only one I find myself landing because he goes three rounds later than Edmonds. He has the touchdown equity upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if Edmonds is such a more exciting player, I just, I'm with you. I don't trust the staff to use him right because they haven't yet. Uh, and and Connor also has the connection as his running backs coach came over from the Steelers and brought him in. Uh, so he has that past history. If I'm going to go someone, it's Connor at the discount, but I'm really not targeting this backfield. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I
0: like that. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in fantasy football is assuming optimal coaching. It, it doesn't yeah. happen as much as, as we want it to. Uh, but the, but I think the James Conner thing. I think that's a good call. Honestly, I think people over re- overrate how much James Conner struggles last year were his fault. Uh, like, the, really, if you go back and watch the Steelers games, a lot of a lot of his struggles was he just got the ball and got tackled literally immediately because the offensive line was so so terrible for the Steelers last year.
1: Exactly. Well, a running back going in that kind of range who. I'm a whole lot more interested in than either of those guys mm-hmm. is the Jets, Michael Carter. So far in camp, they're saying he's already getting time with the ones you love to see that they're not playing any games as a coaching staff they're getting their best players on the field and not making him earn it, you know, in some weird way. And they they're also saying he's looking a clear step above and that's not too hard to do the competitions, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael P. it should be Michael Carter. It's looking like it is going to be Michael Carter. And is that your expectation? If it is, what do you think of him?
0: Yeah, I, I it is my expectation that he leads this backfield in touches, yards, every probably every single stat, touchdowns, receptions this season. I do think there will be some semblance of a rotation, but yeah. just like you said, I don't know if there's a guy in the NFL that has easier competition than Michael Carter. I Tevin Coleman to me it has been toast for at least at least two years, um, and I think he's going to be the number two running back. On this team, there's been some positive buzz about him in training camp, which um, I'm definitely just ignoring. I I think that Michael Carter is a guy that has league winning upside in like ninth, tenth rounds of fantasy drafts. That being said, he was a fourth round pick and the vast majority of guys picked in round three or later don't pan out in the NFL. So I'm trying to temper expectations a little bit. And honestly, his 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 pro day was a little worse in terms of like his athleticism than I was hoping for. But I do think there is upside just because
1: there's just no competition. Exactly. And he's a, he's a great pass catcher too. So even yep. if the early down work might be split up, I really think he's going to end up blowing up as a, a receiver there. Uh, in fact, Thor, who came on our podcast a couple months ago over from uh, Roto world or NBC sports edge, whatever they're called these days. Uh, he came on and said, this was his favorite pass catching back in the entire class. Wow. So I, I'm really excited to see, how he evolves into that role. We've already seen some of the highlights of him running deep and yeah. catching things one handed, but I'm so excited to see how that role. And if he takes the early down work too, he's played in a whole, a zone scheme his whole life. He even said, I'm so happy I got drafted by the jets in this scheme. They're going to implement the 49. We talked about how great that scheme is. It's the same exact one yeah, they're putting yeah. in there with the, the jets. So yeah. it could be a the, moneymaker. I think, the sure. jets,
0: I think the jets could be the most underrated team in, in the NFL. So I, I, I think there definitely is upside. With, with the Adam Gaze effect, they potentially have the best quarterback they've had there in like a decade, too. So there's definitely some optimism
1: just for the whole team on my end. Absolutely. And there's a player we're going to talk about a little bit later who I am getting. My highest exposed player in best ball, I take in every single round, 9, 10, if he somehow falls there. I will be talking about him a little bit when we get to the wide receivers. Uh, and then the, the last couple, we have two more running back storylines I have. And, of course, feel free to add any in. If I missed any, uh, but I really can't wait. And I always, every preseason, I love to see how are the rookies looking? How's their workload potentially going to be? And and how's their fit within the offense? And to me, there's, you know, Najee Harris could be on this list, but to me, he's already kind of cemented that. The first game, he had 18 of 18 snaps with the first team offense. He's their bell cow. I don't really have questions about it. I can't wait to see how he looks, but still, I I know he's good to go. Whereas Travis Etienne and Javante Williams are a little bit more up in the air. So what we know so far is, with ETN, it's going to be a run-heavy attack. They've already said this offense is going to center around the backfield, which is great for him, but also that James Robinson's looking faster. He's looking as is running as hard as he ever did last year and is still going to have a very sizable role. In fact, John Chipley projects he's going to lead the team in snaps, which wouldn't be great for ETN. Meanwhile, Gervonta is also running the career behind Melvin Gordon so far yeah. in camp, but then also getting praised at the same time by Pat Shermer for his three-down skill set, looking more mature as your rookie. So it's a little murky. I still love these talents though and think they can emerge. What are your thoughts on these backfields and what are you looking for? Yeah, no, I'm definitely more confident in, in both of these guys than Michael Carter,
0: largely because of the draft capital that was was spent in them. Both of these teams spent significant draft capital. The Broncos even traded up for uh, Javante Williams. And I honestly, the most exciting thing I've seen about Javante Williams, I don't know if you saw this, this the clip of the Broncos coaching staff and general managers the day of the draft comparing Javante Williams to Ezekiel Elliott, uh, which I thought was a pretty wild comparison. But if, if that is what they believe, mm-hmm. it's hard not to envision them giving him a pretty big workload, even his rookie season. That being said though, Melvin Gordon, he's the ninth highest paid running back in the NFL <laughs> on his, on the second year, like the last year of his deal. So it feels like we could be one year away from Javante Williams, like being a big thing in fantasy football. Wouldn't shock me if like, after the first half of the season, we see him take on a big role, but Melvin Gordon is going to be involved uh, early on. So I am I think I'm more excited actually about Travis Etienne um, because to me, there's just more receiving ceiling there. Like, I think there's a path for him to get 60 catches this season. I don't think mm-hmm. the carries are going to be there for, for the reason you explained with James Robinson, but to me in PPR leagues, like Etienne has league winning upside because of just the receiving ceiling that he has.
1: Yeah, they're saying he's unguardable in camp so far. Uh, the the speed is very very real. He's showing yeah. why they made him a first round pick. So there is some plenty of, as as good as the buzz has been on James Robinson. Etienne's right. also generating his own type of buzz. I did not see that clip about Javante and Ezekiel Elliott. So you just got to be that much more excited about this kid. And Pat Shermer, the play caller, as we said, he's always been a bell cow guy. Even back to like Trent Richardson, who was horrendous. He was feeding him 300 times a season. We saw Dalvin Cook, Steven Jackson. He's always loved to feed his horse. And of course, Saquon Barkley as a rookie, had you know, twenty one hundred total yards, ninety catches. Mm-hmm. So he's not opposed to giving a rookie a monstrous workload. Of course, Bjarke didn't have a, a Melvin Gordon to compete with, right. but but that upside does exist. So I'm with you. I have both these guys above uh, Carter, even if Carter has a little bit of earlier season potential. I think both of these guys uh, can blow up, especially down the stretch for Javante. Who broke the metric for for pro you know pro football focuses broken tackle metric? Yeah. He he completely shattered it and set new records with it, which is insane.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, his ceiling is astronomical. I also won't be surprised at all when James Robinson wins fantasy football leagues for the second straight season. Yeah, um, so I do think that they will give him at least at least twelve carries a game, and I do think that offensive line is relatively underrated. So I think there's a pretty high ceiling
1: for him too. I think Robinson might be the most – one of the most underrated players in fantasy right now, yeah. uh, going around 8-9 in best ball, especially if you start with big receiver stacks. Yeah. He's going to have 10, 15 touchdowns, I bet, this season. If Trevor Lawrence is the real deal and moves this offense at a better pace, yeah. I, I, I think James Robinson is getting so overlooked and disrespected after – he's not going to see 90% plus of the snaps again. We know that, but still. Uh, he was an absolute stud last year. He's not just disappearing, even though – and I think both can – I love them both. Like It's one of those situations, very rarely in a backfield do I do – I, I don't like it split, but I still think this is one of the ones that can really work out uh, for fantasy owners. And the last ones I want to cover at the running back position is the sophomore studs, who we already know can play. I love this class. I mean, they looked fantastic last year in their action. And it's less about can they play and can they fit in and more about – can they become the bell cows? Can they become the offensive centerpieces? Uh, and I'm looking at the guys like Gibson, Dobbins, and Swift more so with the receiving work for Gibson and Dobbins, and more so with the carries with Swift uh, in terms of just becoming that true every down three down back for these guys. Because I imagine at least one or two of them will, and they're gonna go. They're all going round two or later. And whichever one or two do become that, they're gonna be league winners. So I'm going to definitely be monitoring their usage over the preseason. How do you kind of look at these sophomore studs and what are you looking for?
0: Yeah, 100%. At least one of these guys is going to be a league winner. I think the the guy most likely is Antonio Gibson. (laughs) He he averaged 100 yards per game in a touchdown and in just games with at least 50% of the snaps. Like just give him at least 50% of the snaps and this guy is going to ball out anything above that, you're you're going to have a league winner. Uh, so I I absolutely love Antonio Gibson. In the second round of fantasy drafts, I've been taking him all day long in that range. I definitely think J.K. Dobbins and Swift also have a chance to be league winners. I think it's a little less likely. J.K. Dobbins is a guy though that I feel like people are like, yes, God, Gus Edwards is going to be involved. Lamar Jackson obviously is going to be involved in, in the running game and in the red zone. But that doesn't mean J.K. Dobbins can't be successful. Like if you look at the last Five, six games of last season, J.K. Dobbins averaging 80 yards a game and a touchdown. Gus Edwards had at least 10 carries in most of those games. Lamar Jackson was involved in all those games. Like, it's, there's still a path for J.K. Dobbins to have success, even with the, the Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. It's the most run-heavy team in the NFL. Uh, so I do think there is definitely a path to the ceiling outcome for J.K. Dobbins. I don't think the receiving role will be there. There's reports he's a better receiver this year. But Lamar Jackson, we just know he doesn't throw to his running backs very frequently as for deandre swift it's almost the opposite i think deandre swift's ceiling is in the receiving game like he is similar to travis Etienne for me has a path to 60 plus catches this season and if he just does that he will outproduce his current like end of third beginning of fourth round fantasy football cost um so he is dealing with an injury i think i read uh recently which is a little concerning yeah just to me the lions are like an even worse version of the patriots where The whole clear strength of their team is the offensive line, which is good for DeAndre Swift. And they just have an abysmal receiving court. It's even worse than the Texans somehow. Uh, Like, I I have no idea who's going to start at receiver for them. I I, I don't think we'll know until week one, and it probably will change throughout the season, which to me makes a pretty clear path for both TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift to
1: just get peppered with targets this season. I could really see Swift, if he stays healthy, catching 75, like 80, one of those insane yeah. running back seasons. They yeah. they vacated over 65% of their, their air yards and their targets. Uh, they also vacated 60% of their carries. Like everything is wide open for this guy. I just hope he can get healthy and seize it. But I'm still taking that stab. Because of these injury concerns, he's starting to fall to like mid-round four I've seen in some best ball drafts. I'm going to gobble that up every single day. I'm with you. I think Gibson is the best of these sophomore guys. We had on uh, Greg uh, Paulson um, over from the uh, Washington Sports Radio. He was amazing. He talked a lot about how much more refined – that Gibson looks coming out of the backfield in his routes, better in protection. He -hmm. thinks, you know, those 110 targets that went to McKissick, they might not all go to Gibson, but he was like, if he could get 70, you know, a a good 60% of those this year and keep McKissick off the field. So I love it. And yeah, Dobbins, I'm with you. All the reports, I don't know if I fully buy him that he's going to start getting peppered with targets because Lamar just never has done that as good as he is, as efficient of a runner. I mean, high shards per carry last year. I, I like him in round three. I don't love him uh, typically at yeah. that price though. Um, well, let's move on now. we got a couple people just saying good morning guys at the vet, watching the show, uh, shouting us out, RSJ and coffee. Love it. So sending the love to us. We appreciate you guys tuning in as always. I'll answer any questions you guys have after the show. Uh, once Sam has logged off and whatnot, I'm happy to answer all those mailbag questions. I see you coming in Mohammed, with some, so I love it. Uh, keep those coming in guys. I would love to answer those for you. But let's now move on to wide receivers. And the wide receiver I am most intrigued to watch, uh, it's 1A, 1B with the next guy we're going to talk about, but McCole Hardman and the Chiefs' number two, number three receiver battle. I don't really need to spell out the upside that comes with being a key part of Mahomesian uh, aerial pie there. It's as good and delicious as it can be. Uh, but what I am really intrigued by is, Nate Taylor came on our podcast and we've been killing those beat writer interviews. And he's been over at the athletic writing about how McCole Harmon's more refined, more mature attacking practice in a new way. The likes which seems to really have gone on. That's great in practice. I want to see, I cannot wait to see, especially the 49ers versus the chiefs this weekend. So we get our guys, Trey Lance, Trey sermon, all that. And then we could also go watch on the other side McCole Hardman in this Chiefs offense. I want to see it actually happening on the field, but man, am I buying into it? Like, why not at round nine, ten price right now? See if you can get this piece that could really ascend. What are your thoughts on Hardman and, and what are you looking for with him in this Chiefs battle? Yeah, no,
0: I'm super excited to see him ball out this season. He his rookie year was super encouraging. He he was number one in the NFL in yards per reception, number one in the NFL in yards per target. He scored a lot more touchdowns than than people realize in his first year. Basically, like, when he was on the field, he was just running deep and catching touchdowns. He caught a touchdown on almost a fourth of his targets as a rookie, which is just insane. Um, But then his sophomore season, like, he did take this step back, and that is definitely concerning that he couldn't carve out a role. Last season, Sammy Watkins really wasn't playing most of the time, and when he was, he wasn't a big part of the offense. He's gone now. There definitely is a path to the ceiling outcome from McCole Hardman in seasonal leagues. I'm not expecting him to be consistent enough to like trust him on a week to week basis. Like, I think it's going to be very difficult to predict which week is going to be the McCole Hardman like blow up week, but they're going to come this season. This guy is 99th percentile speed. He fits perfectly with what the chiefs are trying to do. And he has the least competition he's had in his entire career. So I, I do like him a lot for the upside. I like him a lot in best ball. I definitely think he has, like plenty of wide receiver one weeks in him this season, but it also won't surprise me if we see lots of like five point couple of target weeks out of McCall Hardman.
1: Yeah, I I brought that up the inconsistency to Nate yesterday, and he's like, yeah, that's totally fair. I think you you should expect that. The one thing he pushed me on was saying, if you look at the the Super Bowl defensive plan from the yeah. the uh, the Bucks there. They just focused on take out Kelsey, take out Hill, let's make somebody else beat us. Right. And that, that those opportunities, as long as McColl keeps playing in camp, are going to go to him. Yeah. And while he couldn't do that last year, Nate said he just sees a different receiver this year that's winning those one-on-ones. He's going to see a ton of one-on-one coverage. You can't really keep the safety over him when you got mm-hmm. Tyreek on the other side. So he thinks he's going to be beating people deep quite often and quite regularly. That is, of course, if he takes that step. Now let's see right. it on the field. It's happened in practice, apparently, every single day. Now let's see it on the field. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see him catching like a long ball in one of these preseason games. And then his draft price just goes yeah. up two rounds. So yeah. I'm going to keep trying to sneak him in before Saturday in these drafts because I'm buying it uh, based on what Nate was saying. It sounds like he has yeah. really taking but that step. The bottom line is, is you want pieces of this offense. So I'm, yeah. I'm
0: definitely all aboard anytime I can get a piece of this offense, even if it's Darrell Williams, Derek McKinnon, like the last round,
1: mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to feel pretty good about it. Exactly. And that, I guess that lends itself to the number three battle, which we don't have to dive in too much. But according to Nate yesterday, Byron Pringle is kind of emerging mm-hmm. as at number three. So talking about late pieces to add, he said Pringle and he said even Robinson like has his role yeah. in the red zone. He's got great chemistry with Mahomes on broken plays. He said take stabs on all these guys late because they all could have some blow up days, especially with the offensive line being better this year Mm -hmm. he's saying you know Mahomes has that extra second to let the the progressions get that much deeper or Tyreek to get that second to get deep it's going to be a fireworks show it already oh it already is but it could be just that much crazier yeah yeah the and we we didn't mention Clyde
0: Edwards Lair in the in the sophomore um, category but there was no guy that burned me worse than Clyde Edwards Lair Uh last season I drafted him I think sixth overall in like four out of my six high stakes Uh I lost thousands of dollars from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last season. Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I I will not give up hope. But the, the situation for him is the same or better this year than last year. The only difference is you're getting him like two rounds later. So I, I think there's a lot of upside with him as well. Every piece of this offense I'm pretty intrigued by.
1: Yeah, I'm with you 100% too. I, I I was taking him fourth overall over like <laughs> Derrick Henry and Kamara. It was horrible. Like you know, People are going to shut this off now when they hear that. I was all in on the Andy Reid workhorse, and that still exists this year, the upsides there. I guess I'm only a little concerned. Nate brought up Jarek McKinnon and how impressive yeah. he's been. He was saying there's a decent chance McKinnon becomes a, a third down back uh, pretty regularly, which would cap the ceiling a little bit. But he did say – he mentioned the same breath. Hilaire has also impressed as a receiver too, so – We'll see how that looks. That'll be an interesting thing to check as well. You're right, Leo. When that first team offense is out there, is Hilaire in for every single snap or are they getting cute and mixing people in? Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that one as well. Now, the guy I was alluding to earlier with the Jets, the guy I own more than anybody else in best ball, and the guy that just has had hype storm after hype storm come out after him, and I am buying because I love this player, that's Elijah Moore. Every single day, he's making a new highlight play. And what I really like the latest reports they're saying is is he's moving all over the place. It, I thought originally it was going to be him versus Crowder, slot battle, maybe alternating annoying stuff. They're not just ho- pigeonholing him into the, the slot. They're moving him outside, and wherever they go with him, they're saying he's so cerebral he can handle it all. He's making highlight plays. So to me, this is my guy. I'm all in on Elijah Moore. Do you think I'm insane? What are your thoughts on this Jets receiver core? No, I,
0: I don't think you're insane. Like I, Like I said earlier, I do think the Jets are just one of the most underrated teams in the NFL – um I don't know if you if you caught the clip of AJ Brown has been adding he's been adding to the hype train for Elijah Moore really since oh, yeah. he was drafted. But AJ Brown said recently on on some podcast that he would bet every check he had this season that Elijah Moore would be the rookie of the year. <laughs> wow. the, odds, the odds you're getting on at rookie of the year too for Elijah Moore, it's like ten dollars to win like four hundred. Definitely worth a stab. I think he does yeah. have this astronomical upside. I that's really all I need to hear. If he's anything in the realm of AJ Brown. Thinking that this guy is going to ball out in the NFL, I think that's a pretty big vote of confidence. I do think I won't be surprised, like if Jamison Elite Crowder, which is what I like to to call him, leads the team in targets, and I think he's going to be like an every down slot player for the depth, especially with Elijah Moore moving around. But the ceiling is is definitely like the sky's the limit for him. So I, I'm definitely excited to watch Elijah Moore this preseason and this season.
1: Yeah, I I, I think Crowder's a great name to toss out there. He was. I want to say the wide receiver three in fantasy before he had that little injury pop up last year, he was a hog. He was killing it. And I know Gase has loved targeting slot receivers and that might be part of it, but Crowder's a really good player. That's going in round 16, 17 right now among nobodies who have done nothing yet in the NFL. So I, I, even if I'm getting more, now I'm feeling more comfortable before I was like, you had to have one or the other, but now that I know more is kind of moving all over the place and it's not going to cannibalize each other. I I have plenty of stacks with more, Crowder and then you know Zach Wilson in the last round is a quarterback stab. I, I like it a lot. I'm with you 100% on the Jets um, with more being my favorite piece. But, yeah, I think Crowder has taken way too big of a hit uh, yeah. for what he could bring to the table. Yeah, um, another rookie receiver who I, I wasn't all in on, but the more and more I read about him, I'm starting to get there. That's Terrace Marshall. And I, I really liked him as a player coming out. I love the connection with Joe Brady from LSU who, who went out and got his guy. Uh, but what's really, you know, piquing my interest here is the fact that he's operating as a big slot receiver there mm-hmm. with the Panthers in their early practices. Joe Burrow's top targeted receiver for all five years Uh, the past five years has been a slot guy. Again, Gase loves that. Yes, Gase was part of that. But even before Gase got there, Quincy Anunua was his top target out of the slot. In college, his top receiver was the slot guy. And this is where Terrace Marshall played under Joe Brady. So it seems like a very seamless transition at a position where Donald really likes to pepper. There's good weapons around him. I doubt he leads the team in targets or anything crazy like that. But I still think there's a path to some value. What do you think of Terrace Marshall there? Yeah, they they're definitely I I do, I would be very surprised if
0: he led the team in targets. There's certainly a really high ceiling in terms of just the arc of his career. He has the draft capital as a as a second round pick. LSU just pumps out impressive wide receivers over just the last decade um with Justin Jefferson being the latest example. So that alone is also a good sign. But he he comes from like a very interesting college career. He he really was injured throughout his entire college career. He didn't have a season with more than uh, 12 games in two of his three seasons that he played. He he didn't eclipse even 10 games, but when he was playing, he was absolutely balling out surrounded by really good other receivers. So right. he definitely has this like high risk, high upside type of wide receiver profile, which is exciting. I do think though, like DJ Moore is very good. I would be really surprised mm-hmm. if he somehow becomes the alpha wide receiver over DJ Moore in this offense. And I definitely think Robbie Anderson and obviously Christian McCaffrey will be involved. So I have really not been drafting him much in fantasy. I just think he like best case scenario, almost he's the fourth guy in targets on
1: the team, but long-term I definitely think there's a lot of upside with Terrace Marshall. And I think, I think you're right in your assessment of the target tree. I, I don't see him going above Anderson Moore or McCaffrey right. thing is, is he could be a red zone monster. I mean, six, yeah. four, that's where he did a lot of his damage in college as well. Yep. And again, that slot that Darnold likes, I, I think there's a lot of upside. You might want to consider him a little more, Sam, uh, but yeah. I do want to make sure I'm, that's one of the things I'm watching is, is he actually playing in the slot? Is he yeah. in there with the first team? And what is his rapport looking like with Darnold? So that's why he's on the watch list uh, here. I can't wait to see uh, for sure. One guy that's been the absolute hype storm of this last week is, is Marquez Callaway, the breakout star of camp, the staking his claim to be the target monster of this offense. Every single day there's a new report that he's the one that's taking over, leading everything in training camp with Michael Thomas out for now and, and who knows how long. I don't know much about Marquez Calloway, but any number one receiver that could get peppered is certainly worth it, especially when he's going past round 15 right now. That's certainly a guy I'm watching to see if this is actually true and the camp hype comes to fruition. What are your thoughts with Marquez? Yeah, he he actually – so he he didn't play that much last season.
0: He I think he played a total of eight games. But in, in those eight games, half of them he played over 50% of the snaps. And in those very small sample size, those four games, he averaged like seven targets a game. So he was wow. actually more involved in the games where they gave him a workload than I would have expected – Uh, until after diving into the numbers a little bit i definitely think there's a path to him to seven plus targets a game which is enough for me to take a stab on him in fantasy football especially worth where he's being drafted but he's an undrafted wide receiver uh like he is still young so there's definitely some upside he he isn't the fastest guy but all the reports we're seeing out of training camp is that he is the clear number one receiver for the saints i do believe Alvin Kamara will be the like actual number one receiver yeah. for the Saints with Michael Thomas out. But there's there's definitely a path to relevance for Marcus Calloway in fantasy. And this Michael Thomas stuff could definitely drag on, just like it did last season.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it really could. Uh, there's even rumblings now that he might be disgruntled enough to demand a trade. Yeah. Uh, who knows what happens there. And uh, Traquan Smith's been hurt throughout camp, and, and okay. the team seems like they're getting pretty fed up with him just Mm -hmm. never really being available or performing even when he is. I think there's a real path for Marquez to be that number one, at least for the first half of the season or until Michael Thomas comes back and maybe he might be gone anyways. So, yeah, I'm definitely buying in. Why not at his price tag go for the potential alpha? Uh, That's just impressing everybody. Everyone's saying he is just going in and winning every single battle one-on-one that he's doing, even without these impressions. As you say, he's not very impressible as a specimen, but if he wins, he wins, and that's all that matters to me. Uh, So very intrigued. Another battle is who's going to be number one for the Ravens. I, I kind of hoped and assumed it would be Rashad, the God Bateman. But now we've got that injury. That's one of my least favorite injuries. He was behind Elijah Moore, probably my second highest exposed receiver because I was loading up on those two rookies where they were going. Hopefully a fast recovery. They're saying it's week to week, and maybe he'll be ready for week one. Still losing valuable time to forge that rapport right now. And on the flip side, Sammy Watkins has been apparently the most impressive player in training camp, has that history with Greg Roman as well. Mm. It's so hard to get hyped up and, and try to get excited about Sammy Watkins after so many bust seasons. Is there anybody out here, You know, Lamar Jackson's number one, that you're attempting to try to find?
0: Yeah, I, I, I won't be surprised with this Rashad Bateman injury, which was just super disappointing. I, I loved the pick by the Ravens to surround Lamar with like a guy that can actually be an alpha wide receiver for him, which he really hasn't had his whole career. Yeah. Um, but he's looking like he's not going to play week one. I'm pretty pessimistic. I try to lean on the pessimistic side with the injuries when they give these ranges. I know the Carson Wentz stuff, they said five to 12 weeks, and now it's looking like five weeks. I assume that it was going to be 12 weeks. So we'll see with the injury news. There's still some time for him to get back, but I won't be surprised at all. If we see some, a few monster games from Sammy Watkins, who I do think will be their number one receiver with Bateman out. I'm pretty down on Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, he, He to me just has not like the, his lack of coming through last season with all of the opportunity in the world, just no competition. He really didn't do it. So I, I do like Sammy Watkins the most, but like we know the story with Sammy Watkins, it's going to be this massive week one performance and everyone's going to go add him yeah, onto their fantasy football teams. They're going to start him for the next three weeks. He's going to put up like five points or less. And like, that's just <laughs> how it goes with Sammy Watkins. It's how it's gone for, for quite some time. Like it would be really surprising if Sammy Watkins can do better on the Ravens than he did on the chiefs. Um, so yeah. he's going from the, like the best passing offense to the most run heavy offense in the NFL. If anything, I just think they're going to become even more run heavy. I'm
1: with you 100% on the assessment. The only reason for any type of hope, and one, the the price is really you don't have to pay anything to get him, and it could pan out. But two is Greg Roman, is offensive coordinator, the last time he was more than a week one blow up and then nothing else was when he played with Greg Roman with the Buffalo Bills. He only managed 13 games that season, but he had over 1,000 yards. Nine TDs, 60 catches, was on pace for 11 touchdowns and 1,200 yards. If you extrapolate that out, that was the best season of his career. And he links up back with a coordinator who said he hasn't lost a step since I was last with him in Buffalo. I think he's one of the best receivers in the league. Of course, I don't agree with that assessment. But still, you know, linking up with a guy that's used him well in the past and thinks he still has it. Can't be a bad thing uh, for a quarterback, as you said, needs an alpha. He's never had one. Sammy might be able to work those middles of the field a little bit better than anyone else they have on this roster. So I'm crossing my fingers, taking stabs late in best ball and hoping for the best. And worst case is I get my week one blow up and and that's all.
0: Yeah, Um, I mean, he he will return value for you in best ball, even if it's just that week one. I'm happy to draft him in best ball after like round 14, 13
1: all he needs is that one week and he'll probably return value for you in baseball. Exactly. And one more guy, the last receiver pick we have uh, for today. Last guy we're going to discuss today is Brian Edwards. And before I, you know, last year I was in, I was really excited about the hype he was generating. If you remember back, you know, Der- Derek Carr was comparing him to Devonte Adams. who he played with in college because of the way, you know, that, that Brian Edwards was winning those jump balls and and practice and vi- violently running his routes uh, he broke all these records at South Carolina 6 foot 3 225 i loved everything about the profile and then he got hurt he never really worked his way back to full health or into the lineup and it was disappointing and i kind of crossed him off my list I was like yeah not not worry about him but right now he's apparently running ahead of John Brown i was really worried John Brown was going to take snaps from either rugs or him it looks like the two guys, two sophomores are the starters right now, and both are really impressive in camp. So I think this is a crucial story to monitor. Can Brian Edwards hold off John Brown? Do you think he can, and are you interested either way?
0: Yeah, I definitely think he he can. I would honestly be surprised if he doesn't. And I, I think that the what the Raiders have done this offseason, I'm a big believer that there's like two times a year you can see what NFL teams are thinking. It's um, in free agency and in the draft, and they let their – best wide receiver from last season walk. The Patriots overpay Nelson Aguilar. uh, And then they bring in John Brown, who is not going to take that role that Nelson Aguilar had. Uh, John Brown has been, we know what John Brown is. He's been in the league for for quite some time. He's going to be a decent, like situational deep threat, uh, which is what he's been in the league for a while when he's healthy. The ceiling for Brian Edwards, though, I mean, is there a guy that like hasn't done anything in the NFL that's been compared to the players Brian Edwards keeps getting compared to Randy Moss. <laughs> About Terrell we've, Owens. we've seen Randy Moss and Terrell Owens. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's any player in the NFL you could compare to both those guys right now and not like get scoffed at a little bit. But yeah, absolutely insane. The guys that he's getting compared to, I think that's a little bit extreme, but the ceiling outcome for Brian Edwards is like the number one alpha receiver for the Raiders who have to have someone take that role this season. So why not Brian Edwards? If he can stay healthy, I, I definitely see like the the post-sleeper hype coming for Brian Edwards.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there too. I, I hadn't even had him in my top 200. I saw this news. He's now in my top 120. Yeah. Uh, it's very intriguing. The opportunity, the profile, it's all there for him. We'll see if he can, can really seize it. And training camp is going to be a great way in these preseason games to monitor that. Well, those are all the picks I had. Sam, was there any stories I missed? I know that was pretty comprehensive. We had an hour here on all these. Was there any stories, players you're watching, or anything that that I missed that you wanted to shout out? No, I think I think we hit
0: on a lot, a lot of uh, great great things. I don't think there's anything um, big on on my mind that that we missed. The only the only last thing is like, do you, do you think that Daryl Henderson is going to get a three down every down workload? Because to me, Daryl Henderson's
1: either going to be this massive hit or just a complete, complete bust? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get too many answers, too. They've already said they're going to rest yeah. him throughout all the preseason, so we won't really see what his work looks. But that also, I think that suggests that, yeah, they really do want this guy to be their horse. I mean, they did trade up for him right after Gurley had that career season, which was insane. They traded up and got this guy. They thought he was the perfect fit for their zone scheme, the speed he brought. They liked his receiving ability. You know, I wrote about him three years ago. And was so hyped for his arrival there. And we just haven't seen it really at the NFL level. He looked solid last year. I believe he was actually PFF's highest graded running back for those first few weeks. And then he kind of fizzled out. I think they're going to try to make him a pretty big featured back, 15 to 18 touches a week. So I love that he goes in round five or so right now. I'm not confident, though, that he can hold up to that work. So for that situation, I'm actually more intrigued to watch Xavier Jones and see, you know, how does he look? Because that might tell us if he's going to really force a committee or if something happens to Henderson. Could this guy really be something valuable? He's definitely I think that's a great backfield I should have had on there that we need to be monitoring without yeah. without acres there. Now, tons of open volume. I mean, they've been top 10 in rushing touchdowns all four years. McVay's been there, top yeah. 10 in rushing yards three out of the four years it's certainly a good offense that wants to establish the run and should be even more explosive with Stafford there. So I'm going in for it. Like it's worth at that fifth round price, even if I don't fully believe he'll, he'll seize it and take over it's worth the the, the chance that he becomes their next girly. What is your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, the ceiling. I agree. The ceiling is definitely there. I I'm nervous. I, I was
0: also super excited about Henderson in that draft. That was like the first draft that I did like serious analysis and and did like pre-draft rankings about yeah. all the the rookies in that year, he ended up going the third round. So I definitely knocked him down after the draft. But he averaged nine yards a carry in college, which is just absolutely insane to think about. Like he basically got a first down on average on his carries. <laughs> um, but he like and, and Tony Pilar did a similar thing at Memphis. The offensive line at Memphis those years yeah. was just absolutely insane. I don't think I fully realized it at the time, but whatever they were feeding those offensive linemen. <laughs> at Memphis was just insane. They like, they, they were averaging close to 10 yards a carry it, like every game, uh, but the, the ceiling for Darrell Henderson is like, he also was a good receiver in college. Um, so I do think that's definitely something I'm monitoring really closely. This preseason is like, is Xavier Jones a guy that I did not know existed until, you know, a month ago or less. Uh, is yeah. he actually good? Like I'm interested
1: to see what he looks like this preseason preseason.
0: That's definitely something I'll be watching closely.
1: I think Xavier Jones is a great name to shout out. He's been my favorite round 14, 15 running back target after I've gotten my stable of two to three in best ball loves taking him towards the end to round it out just to see what happens. Either way, there's going to be some value. It's been such a valuable backfield, whether it ends up being Henderson whether it ends up being Xavier Jones. I like getting them both. Why not? Uh, because there is going to be some value to come out of that backfield. Well, why don't we wrap up here, Sam? If, if our listeners are still with us here, whether they're live viewing or they're listening to the podcast, they clearly liked your takes and I, and they sure should. I really loved talking ball with you here today. Now I'd love to learn a little bit more about what is Walter Picks and how can it help our, our listeners dominate their fantasy leagues in 2021?
0: Yeah, Nick, thank, thank you so much uh, for having me on. Yeah. So, so Walter Picks is um, an app that I've been building for honestly less than a year. It was first launched like right before week one of last season. Um, and it's really just been getting built on, on more and more uh, over the last 10 months, really. Um, but what it is, is uh, it is an app powered by Walter, the artificially intelligent algorithm that I've helped build over the last three years that has had more accurate projections than ESPN, Yahoo, a lot of the other big projections that are out there that are trackable. Um, we've been beating them for like three straight seasons, and we really have built this app in a way that gives a range of outcomes for every single player. So there's machine learning projections for like the median projections, but then also we're running simulations on top of that to get like a, a floor and a ceiling for every wow. single player. Because this is how I, I, I try to approach the game of fantasy football without being overconfident in our analysis, because there's so much variance in the game mm-hmm. of football. So I want to know, like, what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? And kind of as the draft goes on, I want to be targeting best case scenario for, for guys. in in the early part of the draft, I'm thinking, I want, like, the best possible worst case scenario for, for the guy right. that I'm going for. So in the app, you'll find a who do I draft tool, a who do I start tool, a trade analyzer for season long and dynasty. Um, there'll be transactions advice throughout the season. We've also built... Uh, lineup optimizer for DraftKings and FanDuel all within the app. And then we also, my favorite thing is the player prop, something I've gotten super into the last two and a half seasons. We've had our algorithm identify 200 exploitable prop picks over the last uh, two and a half years. And wow. it's had over 60% accuracy so far. That's really like where I have personally that's- made the most money in the NFL. Um, so that's what, that's what the app is. Uh, it's been a super exciting project to to work on. And um, yeah, I'm,
1: I'm just excited for this season with all the improvements we've made to it. Awesome. Well, everybody, I will once again encourage you. Sam is a super smart guy. So check out that app. I downloaded it. It's so clean, easy to follow, easy to use. It's it's awesome tool. I got to encourage all you guys out there in the Wolfpack, give it a go if you're on Apple. I know you said eventually you're looking to get on Android too, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there for sure. Well, Sam, is there anyone else, anywhere else you want to direct our listeners to make sure they can connect with you and find more of your work? Yeah. So you can
0: follow us on uh, TikTok and Instagram at Walter Picks. On Twitter, we're at Walter Picks app. You'll find me mostly on TikTok. Big believer in that platform, Nick. Definitely. Thank you. Uh, I'm encouraging you to, to get on there. Definitely. Uh, yeah. If you do. We can hop on a live stream on, on TikTok as well. That's where I do most of my lives. But also we're trying to grow our YouTube channel as well at Walter Picks. Definitely check that out. But no, Nick, thanks for having me on and uh good good
1: luck with uh the the rest of the the grind of the preseason. Oh, it's a grind it is, man. And you know what? I just realized I never ran you through the no huddle. I know this ran long, so if you got to get going, I totally understand. Do you want to hit the no huddle though yeah, with
0: let's me? Do let's do it real quick.
1: Awesome. So 20 burning questions, rapid fire takes. Let's hear what Sam's opinions are on these. In order, the first three packs of picks of every 2021 draft should be. Yeah, the
0: first two are easy. It, it's Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. PPR, I'm going Kamara. If it's non PPR,
1: half PPR, I'm going Kamara. Non PPR, I'd probably go Derrick Henry. Travis Kelsey should fall no later than pick number. Seven. The next Mahomes Lamar Josh Allen is Trey Lance. The veteran who gained the most ooh, the veteran who gained the most value this offseason.
0: Oh. Tom Brady.
1: <laughs> ooh. <laughs> That's a tough one. The, vet, the veteran who lost the most value. Oh, uh, David Johnson. The rookie one hundred and one should be. Oh,
0: uh, I'd probably say Najee Harris.
1: Who do you think is the biggest rookie
0: flop in this class? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Probably <laughs> Mac Jones. The current NFL player that you hate the most. Oh, uh, oh, that's a that's a good one. I hate. I, I like. I try to. I try to skew positive. <laughs> but if I had if I had to pick one, it would probably be Deshaun Watson.
1: What's the mid rounder that ascends to twenty twenty two early rounds next year? Travis Etienne. Who's the free agent you think crushes in his new home? Oh, uh,
0: there's there's a lot to choose from. I'll t- I'll take Marvin Jones.
1: An early rounder, one or two that bust the hardest this year. Oh, it's gonna be Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb. Oh boy. Uh, a late round league winning RB receiver or tight end Jameson elite Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Most important training. Well, we just did a whole podcast on that. So <laughs> I don't think we need to cover that one. Uh, I guess if you have a story, what's the, all the stories we covered, which one yeah. do you think the one is your one? I think the it's the, the rookie quarterback battles. It's just going to have such a big impact. The sophomore RB that you want the most
0: and you want the least. The most I'd say, uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and the least is probably J.K. Dobbins.
1: Well, Aaron Rodgers, we already know this one. That that was before. But we know that he's staying. Do you have Adams as your number one receiver now, or does anybody else overtake him? Yeah, it's Devonta Adams or Tyreek Hill. Player you'd least like to fight. Oh, my God, A.J. Brown. (laughs) He's a monster. Uh, (laughs) Most intriguing coaching hire of 2021. Oh, probably – it's probably the Jets. Yeah. You won't leave your 2021 fantasy drafts without. This is a good one. I, I I think if you
0: asked me this a month ago, it probably would have been Cordero Patterson, which I feel like is, uh, uh, that's who I was taking the last round of every draft. But no, now I'd probably, I'd probably go Travis Etienne with this one too.
1: And your boldest fantasy football prediction for 2021.
0: I think that. My boldest fantasy football prediction for twenty twenty one, I think that um I wanna I wanna choose a good one here. I, I I think I would my boldest prediction, let's go with um Damian Harris finishing as a
1: top ten running back in fantasy football. I love it. I love it as a Pats fan. I love it as a fantasy (laughs) fan. If he gets that workload, which I think he's going to, he could totally eat for that. I love it. Well, Sam, thank you so much again for your time. We really, really appreciate it. Best of luck this season with Walter Picks and everything. And everybody, make sure you check out that Walter Picks iOS app uh, as soon as you can. It's a fantastic tool. Thanks again, Sam. Have a good one, Nick. You as well. All righty, guys. And let me now... Bring up any questions you guys have. Toons is watching at the Vets. Good morning, Mitch. What's going on? What's up, Jack? Great to see a legendary Wolfpack member there. Let's go. Pumped to be back. I'm pumped to have you back, man. Jeremy Bolchek, will you update your overall rankings list again before the season starts? Of course I will. we got preseason action. we got more training camp. There could be injuries. You know it. Every Monday, in fact, you almost did this as like a promo for me, I think, Jeremy. I, I planted you right every Monday. I'm going to do what's called the Monday market check, where I update it based on the preseason action of that week. Now, I also know that people draft most often on the weekend, so if there's a preseason big note, big swing that happens over the weekend, I will, of course, be ready to update that to get the cheat sheets, all that good stuff ready um, for you guys in your drafts. But yes. Of course, I can't keep the reading static. There's so much more data to mine in these next few weeks with all these stories we just talked about, Jeremy. So yes, what's going on, Mohammed? Uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, as you say right here, I answered that question. I still draft uh, Javante unless I've got a build where I really need a running back uh, that's going to have to hit the ground running. I think Carter's going to start faster. I think Javante Williams is going to finish faster. Uh, and so that's where I go there. Uh, RSJ and Goffey, love it. Indeed. Indeed. DeLorenzo. Listen to the pod with Barrett. How do you balance drafting rookie running backs and their upside versus making sure you have wins in the first same week? Some of the young running backs may take time. I absolutely agree, Travis. I think that is a wonderful question. Thank you so much for asking it. So a guy like James Robinson, we were talking about earlier on the pod, right? There are still some pockets of later round guys that are falling. James Robinson, if I draft Javante Williams, might get me a few of those early weeks. Raheem Mostert, you know, is going to be involved early on in that battle, so I might go for him if I've drafted Travis Etienne, things of that nature where I want to see these rookies play out. You got to, you're gotta. you thinking about the right way. You kind of answered your own question while you asked it. You have to find those pockets of guys that are guaranteed some early season volume, even if their long-term projection might not be so hot. So I think Robinson's a great guy that's falling a lot. I think James White, like really deep. Gio Bernard's going to get a ton of catches if you're going way down the the, the line there. Uh, And also, as I mentioned, Raheem Mostert. So like those guys, James Robinson, Mostert in the early rounds, and then some guys that are guaranteed volume late. And now I I like to swing for the fences when I go late. But if I've swung for the fences a little bit early, like you're saying, I might need to to temper my – get a little floor built in late with the James White. Uh, Damian Harris is another one I love in that range. Uh, James Connor is going to be involved at the goal line. He could be a good guy, a stopgap to some of these rookies. Melvin Gordon, you know, the the guys that are with these rookies, right, might be the guy to target when you draft them so that way you can bridge to it. Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, they will probably have some volume until they take over. So I'm 100% with you there. Brandon Haas, good to see you, man. You got your draft this Saturday. I love it. I know I promised you uh, early mock drafts. Man, we've been so busy. We've had so many great beat writers that we're going to be broadcasting live on YouTube that we've already recorded. I want to get those drafts in for you. Uh, you can DM me, Brandon, at RotoStreetWolf if you haven't already, and I can try to sneak one, and even if I don't do it live here, uh, to let you know what I would do, but that is so fucking exciting. I'm pumped for you. Make sure you check out RotoStreetJournal.com. All my rankings will be there to help guide you if you'd like to use them. Rushing floor of Trevor Lawrence. I like Trevor Lawrence. Now, here's the deal, though. One, I think it's going to be a very run-centric attack. Daryl Bevel, the last time he had a, a rookie quarterback, led the league in pass attempts for every he – he's had Sanchez. He had Russell Wilson. This is this has happened to him before. and uh, He's always – and that's Schottenheimer as well, their play caller. They've always led the league in rushing attempts when they had a rookie quarterback. So I think there's going to be a ton of rush attempts. And I'm a little nervous about Tim Tebow. I know that might sound psycho to you. But yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous about him for sure. Uh, thoughts on the camp news about Jamar Chase? So yeah, we talked a little bit about that, Brandon, uh, early in the show. I'm not too worried about it. This guy's elite. He's always been a great separator, and even if he can't, he's great at the jump ball contested situations. I am a little worried about Burrow and the knee, and you know he's he's not long removed from tearing three things in his knee. That's you got to be a little nervous about. So that's one of the most important things you got to monitor in camp here is is how does he look? Do they get the rust shaken off? Do they look okay in these preseason games? So I am absolutely with that. Uh, Preach on Bateman, yeah, I wish he was the guy. I think he could be the guy. It just depends on how long this injury lasts. Who are your best mid-round targets at receiver, like fourth, fifth round? Love Brandon Ayuk, Brandon. Love T. Higgins. Um, like Jamar Chase, even with these reports, I still think he's going to be A-OK there. Uh, but those, Brandon Ayuk, the sophomore's, and and uh, T. Higgins are the two I most often find myself landing. Uh, if somehow CeeDee Lamb ever fell there, but he's going around three now. Uh, he would be way at the top of that list. I'm trying to think if there's any other names that I really frequently land. I think a little bit later, a couple rounds later, I like Cortland Sutton even with the knee. I think he's going to round into form as well. Great show. Got your draft coming up, Michael. I love to hear it. I appreciate your kind words, and thanks for tuning in. As always, and this is for everybody, if you haven't already subscribed, and if you want to hit that bell, you'll know when we're going live, and I'll answer all of our questions leading up to your guys' drafts, as I always do to end each show. Uh, who starts first, Lancer Fields? I think it's Fields. I think Andy Dalton is less competition than Jimmy, um, and Fields is a little more pro-ready. That's my guess. I think both by mid-year, though, are going to be winning leagues. Have you looked at teams with top tight ends, KC, uh, Kansas City, Las Vegas, San Fran, and being able to support two receivers? Debo's going wood round uh, More buzz about McColl Edwards. Not sure if there's enough volume. I have not like dug into the stats around that, Travis. I think it'd be an interesting study. It, it is interesting when you almost have to look at that as they're, they're the third on the target totem pole. And when you assess that, like a team like, let's call it, Kansas City, right? They're so explosive that a third can definitely still have value. It is a little trickier. I think San Fran is also explosive enough. A team like the Raiders, though, They're not going to sustain much, Uh, so I'm with you there. Here comes the uh, Brandon question onslaught. I have a meeting at 1030, so I might have to cut this a little short depending on how many you have here, Uh, but let's get to them all. Woods versus Cup, I'm a Woods guy. Love them both. I actually updated my projections, and they came out as the wide receivers 11 and 12, neck and neck, so I'm higher on them than the consensus, and I love them both. I prefer Woods, though, myself. Godwin or Evans, I like Evans. I go for the the big play, the upside, the wide receiver one, Alpha, and that's him to me. But again, I love them both. Uh, But neck and neck, I go Woods for the Rams. I go Evans for the Bucks. Thoughts on Pitts worth the ADP? Oh, that's such a tricky one, right? He's either going to smash it or he's going to uh, look foolish. Rookie tight ends have not historically translated, but of all the unicorns, like there's been nobody ever like Kyle Pitts. All the camp reports are glowing about how he's being used so creatively, moving all over the place. It's tricky for me. This is where I, I don't land pits very often because Hawkinson goes around or even two rounds later in drafts. And I think Hawkinson's going to see 130 targets this year. So I, I find myself either getting a Kelsey, getting a Waller, going all in on the guy I know is going to be elite or waiting a little bit to get Hawkinson. And if I miss Hawkinson, I love Logan Thomas late. So I have not been buying pits at his ADP. There's still just too many receivers. I really like in that range, like Higgins, like Ayuk. Uh, so I have not really been going in on him. Easily could make me look like a fool for passing up because of how talented that freak is. Uh, believe the end of year 2020 hype on David Montgomery, or is he just a guy? I believe it. I think he's, All the reports in camp, he's impossible to tackle. He's faster this year. He worked on his speed. And yet the the schedule leaned up. Yes, we had Tariq Cohen out. But guess what? Cohen's not practicing right now. Uh, Guess what? He also has the easiest schedule of all running backs heading into this year. I'm buying in. He's kind of embraced it. It seems like that switch really did flip. And I buy it. Because I loved him so much as a rookie because of what I saw in college. and, And he just was tentative. He didn't come in running like he did. As a as a, a college prospect, that was the David Montgomery we saw at the end of last year, who I also could see rolling that right into 2021. Love him in the late third. I uh, think he is a great, especially if you go receiver, receiver, and then you get him as your running back one. Swift comes back to you on the next. Like, that's a beautiful start, in my opinion, Anthony. Hopefully you can sneak a mock draft and send me that DM. I'll make sure to at least do one on the side and show you what I would do, but maybe I can broadcast it live and we can talk together while we do it. Alrighty, folks, that's it for me. Thank you guys so much. And thanks again to Sam. What an awesome guest. Uh, please go check out that app, Walter picks. It is truly astounding what he has built uh, 60% on props over 60%. If you bet 51, you're looking good. He's about 10% better than everybody else out there. So check out Walter picks. uh my, my guy, Sam there. He is awesome. And check out all these training camp storylines. Very crucial stuff to monitor. If I missed any, shoot me a message. I, uh, you can find me at roto street. Wolf, all of our stuff, rankings, articles, everything's at roto street journal.com. As well as our news at the roto street journal.com slash stock watch, both of which are clean and in our app. So guys, thank you so much. And the podcast, fancy fullback dad, you paved your path to 2021 titles. It would mean the world whether you're watching it live or you listen to the podcast. We're trying so hard to boost those podcast numbers up and ratings and especially reviews can be the fastest way to do that. So if we've helped you at all with these streams, consider subscribing to the podcast, rating and reviewing it, and hitting the subscribe and and notification gang over here on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. I greatly appreciate it. And in a world full of fantasy sheep, be that wolf. Later, guys. Third effort,
0: touchdown! That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football, right there, folks.